This is Leaders Lens, the show that reveals what it really takes to become a great leader. I'm Jacob Espinoza, a Fortune 500 leadership consultant and director of creator success at Workweek. Let's go. I always say that project management is primarily about making the implicit explicit and being really clear about what you expect from people. And especially in the project content or the project context where a team is fluid by definition, right? You bring new people on, you offboard people. So the clearer you can be about, hey, this is what we expect from you. And, you know, in modern knowledge work and and especially remote environments, people come and go so easily and we bring people on because they're good at something. And we are back at the Leaders Lens podcast. I'm joined by my friend from Twitter, Jasper Pollock, fractional COO, the master of project management. When I think of learning about project management, I think of Jasper. He's done an incredible job of branding himself, always sharing just tons of value on Twitter. So if you're not following him on Twitter, make sure you're doing that. We'll make sure we drop a link for you in the show notes so you can check him out. But Jasper, I'm really grateful. Our first time meeting on a call, we've kind of traded DMs for a while. I've got to know each other via Twitter, which is just I think one of the beautiful things about social media, but I'm glad we can can jump on a call together today. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's fun. Like you said, we met, must have been a year ago on Twitter and DMing and engaging back and forth. And now we can all of a sudden, you know, hang out in a podcast and pretend to be best buddies. Who would have thunk it, you know? <laughs> well, if you would have asked me last year, what are you going to be doing on, you know, 25th of May from now? I wouldn't have guessed this one. I'll tell you that. I love it. I'm glad we made it happen. And I'm excited really to, to dive into to SOPs, Standard Operating Procedures, which if you're leading teams, you're a people manager, you need to understand how to do this well. And so for our listeners, can you just kind of give us a brief rundown? What is an SOP and why is it important? Sure. So you gave the sauce away, right? SOP, Standard Operating Procedure. I think the most important thing, if you're trying to condense it to one sentence, is someone taking you by the hand of how you do something. It's as if Jacob is not on the other end of this line across the Atlantic, but sitting next to me, showing me step-by-step how to perform a job, a task. And that has a hundred different, you know, reasons to spell that out and take someone by the hand. There's a lot of benefit to it. It's an imperative. It's a really important thing to do if you want to scale up as a team, especially teams where people come and go. Uh, The further you standardize it, the lower your margin for error becomes. So yeah, man, let's dive in. There's a lot of goods here. I love it. And I think, especially when it comes to onboarding employees, because people really want to know what's expected of them at work. They want to know what success looks like. And having things for your your team, for your organization, for your business are just critical in creating a, an effective and efficient onboarding experience. Yeah, absolutely. I always say that project management is primarily about making the implicit explicit and being really clear about what you expect from people. And especially in the project content or the project context where a team is fluid by definition, right? You bring new people on, you offboard people. So the clearer you can be about, hey, this is what we expect from you. And, you know, in modern knowledge work and and especially remote environments, people come and go so easily and we bring people on because they're good at something. We can't, you know, cast a creative thing in a standard operating procedure. We can't standardize to be creative or to solve complex problems. But what we can standardize is the process of creativity or the process of problem solving. I think that is a very important thing to give to new people when you're onboarding and say, hey, this is how we do things. And if you mix this process 
with your skill set, your knowledge, your creativity, that's when magic happens. I love that. What that's an incredible definition for an SOP as well. This is how we do things. Like at its core, that's what the purpose is. Can you give us an example of a time that you helped a business or in your own organization you implemented a standard operating procedure and it had a, just a big impact? I'm curious to hear like the before and after of, of what that looked like. Hmm, sure. If we zoom out half a second, again, from the project context, what people often say is, hey, this is, like I said earlier, this is knowledge work and I'm here because I'm good at this job. Why do I need a standard operating procedure? And the first place I go is, Everything that you've done three times while you're on the same team, should you still be using mental bandwidth for that? Hmm. Like when you leave the front door tomorrow morning, Jacob, do you think about how you tie your shoelaces? I'm sure you don't. It'd be a nightmare. If you had to spend on all these minute little things, if you had to spend bandwidth on that. So for some reason, you accept it when you were four or six or whatever from a teacher or from a parent, this is how we do it. And you never thought about it again. Now, if you change project teams every few weeks or teams within an organization every few months, every one of those teams will have a different way of a common hated example, filing travel expenses or logging hours, which where do I go? Which application do I use? Which code is the right one? Where are my logins? How do I attach a receipt? How do I do this? How do I do that? And I think that is a great example of just take the load away. Tell me how to do it. And let's move on with life and use that bandwidth, use that capacity for the actual work I'm paying you for. Yes, I'm, I'm already and hope our listeners are as well, like thinking through our operations and where this mentality can be effective. Like where are the places that we have to make decisions every day where we're wasting bandwidth when in reality we should have just a straightforward path of this is, is what we're going to do. So love that. It's a great, great breakdown. Yeah, exactly. I think what I say often is if you've done it three times, that's when you should probably think about either automating it or standardizing it at the very least, like put it in some kind of system. And maybe that's a good time to zoom out and look at definition because we jumped straight into like the SOP is on a task level, but above that you have, and these two are often confused or used intertwined. Then I'm not saying this is the perfect definition. This is my working definition of a process. A process is like a subset of a system. And within the process, you have a lot of tasks. And for each of those tasks, you can make a standard operating procedure. If you tie a bunch of processes together, you get a system. And a system is taking something from A to Z that happens at different points in time, can happen by different people, use different information sources or software pieces or whatever. A process is something you do in one sitting from A to Z. Jacob does it, Jasper does it. And an individual task within that, that's where you make an SOP. So... Classic example, eh? like I said earlier, travel expenses, time reporting, but also publishing a revision of a drawing or pushing a piece of software live. It's something you do every week, yet there's a checklist for it. Why? Because we make mistakes. Mistakes cause big problems. There's new people doing it. Getting a sign off on something, producing a regular report, setting up a test plan. This is not where I want this high-end engineer to spend this bandwidth to, you know, Reinvent yeah. the wheel every couple of weeks. Yeah. Do the stuff I hired you for and all this recurring stuff. Let's just standardize it. I love it. So if I'm a manager, I'm leading a team. Maybe I've led them for a while. Maybe I'm brand new, but I've never really have had onboarding. Nobody's ever taught me how to create a standard operating procedure. And I'm, I'm looking at like systems and processes. And if I'm feeling a little overwhelmed in this moment, how would you simplify the process of creating a, a standard operating procedure 
Just what would that look like if I was explaining to somebody that's brand new, never even heard of this concept? I know you have like 10 threads that they should be looking at. It's going to help them. It'll help them out a ton. And we'll try to find a couple <laughs> in the show notes as well. But Sure. I wrote a, a extensive deep dive in my newsletter recently. We can link that in the show notes. Thank you. The 10 second answer to this person that has never done this before is do it the way you want it to be done and record it. Mm. End of story. So there's a lot of things that, you know, should be, there's best practice for what should be in an SOP. And we can look into that if you like. What it comes down to is take me by the hand. And it's 2023. So people often ask me, how do I make a good SOP great? You add visuals. You add a process flowchart so that someone understands where in a total process or system this occurs. Who is doing something that triggers my activity and what happens when I'm done. But all of that stuff also screenshots or pictures like if we take this out of the knowledge out of the software environment for example and go to a logistics provider a warehouse like put a picture in there of how you want the boxes stacked in the rack it's really simple but a picture really does say more than a thousand words so make it visual and this day and age just film it there are great software applications for this uh, loom the whole world uses it by now just record yourself doing it don't overthink it Love it. Love it. Especially for remote teams. I mean, to be able to just record your screen, sharing what you did 100%. as a, you're doing the work, but you're also teaching at the same time. You don't have to duplicate the effort. Such an effective tactic. Yeah. And on that, Jacob, really, sorry to interrupt. There's a really interesting thing going on there as well, because managers often ask me like, hey, I have this team and it's a mix, right? I've got some junior people or maybe experienced people, but they just got on the team. I have a couple eager beavers and I have a couple seniors how do I sell standardizing work to them? Because this is not what they were hired for, right? Yeah. It's going to be resistance. And the big enabler for me, the bunch of teams has been that if we look at these three kind of groups individually, a junior or someone new on your team will be happy to have, quote unquote, their hand held without someone physically holding their hand, if you know what I mean, because they can consume this when they need to do the task. And they can complete the task on their own without bugging other people. So it's really helpful for them. You just set the guardrails, right? Yep. You set the expectations. You show what success looks like. Let me take you by the hand. If we look at the other end of the spectrum, the senior, they're in a position where they realize that if they just do it the way that they're supposed to do it, they don't get any questions, take away the effort, take away the bandwidth. And they also acknowledge that by creating as a team a bunch of SOPs, they won't have to answer the same question every time. The real magic is in the middle. This eager beaver, you know, the person with a couple of years of experience that's trying to show themselves, they're like, hey, I want to showcase my smarts. I don't want to do this the way the boss wants me to do it. Let them make the SOP because it forces them to think through how do you actually do your job? Is that the best way of doing it or is that just how it came up doing it the first time? And forcing someone to explain what they normally do you know, on autopilot, that exposes a lot of small decisions and the small things that could potentially be improved. So it serves a different purpose for different people in the team as well. I think that's a big opportunity that that's often is seen as a burden, but if you frame it like that, it's a huge opportunity for anyone on your teams. I love it. I love the it being an investment in their development by delegating this work to them, like you're helping them, one, create a brand, because now there's this resource the company is going to use, it has their face on it, has their name attached to it, incredible exposure opportunity, right? Exactly. So you have that piece of it, but you're also helping them learn the content at a deeper level, because teaching is by far the best way to learn, like every study has proven that. Exactly. So I love that we're including those two elements. 
And I think for yourself as well, if you're looking for that career development, you're looking for an exposure piece, like taking the initiative to create these sort of resources and just share them with people so that they can use them freely is just an awesome way to network within your organization and have some potential equal opportunities present themselves. It's the same reason like me and Jasper are creating content on Twitter, just the exposure of, of sharing what we know. So awesome, awesome call out. Absolutely. I've come into organizations where you ask, how do we do X, Y, Z? And they come up with this, you know, dirty stapled together pile of papers that someone made 15 years ago. Mm. That person's left the company 10 years ago, but there's still 700 people doing it the way that person defined it because they took the effort to define it. 100%. Their name lives on. So it's like you said, the exposure opportunity is huge. And we talked about the technology a little bit where we don't have the stack of papers any longer. Now there's all these these different resources we can use. What are some tools that you recommend for people that are, are looking to get started? If you want to keep it easy, and I'm a big fan of, you know, simplicity scales and complexity fails. If you want to keep it easy, I 90% of the times just make a Google Doc. I have a template that I've shared with people reading the newsletter as well. Steal it, copy it, pull it apart, take what you like, discard what you don't. That's a great place to start. A lot of companies these days use Notion. Same thing, right? Just build a template for it and... You're going meta, right? You create an SOP for creating SOPs. That's the easy part. What adds a lot to it is a couple screenshots or a Loom recording, like I said earlier. And if you make a well-written SOP with a Loom that's beyond 80-20, like then you're ahead of the pack. If you want to do it well and you want to create an experience that you could also share with clients, for example, I've seen this with some agencies that onboard clients on their client portal. Hey, this is how we do acceptance work how we do iterations, reviews, et cetera. There's two applications up and coming in this space, Scribe and Tango. I've tried both. I think they both have their advantages and disadvantages. I myself usually stick, because I, I run a small and lean operation with just a couple contractors. So I usually stick to written word and loom. But I think the most important thing is that when you come into a company that you adapt to whatever they're using, mm -hmm. If you're willing to bring something into a company that looks great and that'll be used for a long time, I think Tango and Loom are two resources worth looking into for sure. And I feel like there's so many different places that standard operating procedures are going to make an impact. Now, we've kind of touched on this question a little bit earlier, but I want to be answer it specifically. How do we decide if this is a right thing that we should be using an SOP for, or is it something that maybe doesn't make as much sense that we don't want to try to force a circle into a square hole? Great question. I think if you look at it from a managerial perspective, right, you're leading a team. Everything that occurs three times or more, that should be standardized. I said that earlier. The other thing is something with relatively high risk. One of the effects of an SOP is that, uh, given the people adhere to it, but that's a topic we'll touch later, I'm sure. <laughs> given the people adhere to it, you're narrowing your standard deviation, right? You get less errors. So even if something is relatively simple and straightforward, like usually, of course, we're not going to make an SOP for, you know, how to put your coffee cup in the dishwasher in the shared office kitchen. Knock yourself out. We're all adults. So if a process is non-obvious or is performed in a, it has to be performed in a way that is, is very particular, that's usually a sign that you can benefit from making an SOP. And, and you don't have to go all overboard. You can also... And that's even, that's another thing that we could have touched upon earlier when we we're looking at definitions. Above all this system and process and SOP, there's also a thing called a policy, right? Which is just a document of, 
this is how it works here. Mm. There's no SOP for how you celebrate the 20-year anniversary of Jacob at Workweek or how you travel across the Atlantic. But in most companies, there is something written down, right? More than eight hours business overnight. You know, uh, these are the hotels we use. These are the trusted contractors, la-di-da. Gotcha. So don't get stuck in a template or in the fact that you have to put something in in complete detail. Sometimes a two-paragraph description of what you expect from people is more than enough. And I think you called it out earlier, but just having that reference point where they don't have to come to you to ask every time. There's a place that they know they can go find the answers when they have the answers. And once they've found them enough, they can remember them. But just not assuming that saying something one time to somebody, they're going to hold on to it forever. Because people are people. We forget. We need that resource available where we can collect our memory that way. Yeah, absolutely. And you touch upon something very important there. There's no point in making one of these and then putting it in a place where no one finds them, right? Yes, which we see happen a lot, right? Especially when things are moving quick, companies are growing. Somebody creates something one time and then it gets forgotten and they still get the questions all the time. So how do we get yeah. buy-in in these and how do we have that influence to help onboard people to these systems that we're creating? I think it starts with making sure that they can be found. Having a dashboard or a wiki or a place where you collect all of these things so that the very first thing that you explain to someone is, hey, by default, if you have questions, you look here first. This is kind of our internal FAQ. And if you can't find it here, these are the other options. That's a often overlooked step and companies are like, yeah, yeah, we have SOPs for this and for that. And they then spend three hours digging through a hundred SharePoint folders, finding it for me. And they're like, well, no wonder no one's using them. For sure, yeah. It's easier to ask when it's easier to ask the question than to just go to find the document. People are going to ask the question. Like you have to make it easier to take that route than to bother you during your day. Yeah, exactly. It's like when Google was coming up. Have you Googled this before you asked me? Yeah. Like it should be that that kind of normal that you had to look through the SOPs first. Like, hey, is this has this been documented? If the answer is no. Come and ask. If the answer is yes, please try that first. Yeah, I love that tactic as well. When you get the question, pointing people back to the document so they know where to find it next time. And yeah. you might find that people just can't find it or there might be a, an op option where people just don't even have access to the tool that you didn't realize. And so you can kind of get that feedback along the way and make sure that it is something that stays front and center as people are, are getting onboarded and, and working on new projects. Yeah. And keeping them current is a very important part of, of making sure that they continue to be used. I always include an SOP, a clear owner, not two people, not three people, one person. And that's the only except normally in an SOP or in a process you refer to departments or teams and never to people. Because if the person moves on, then you know it all falls flat. In case of an owner and an approver, those are the only exceptions where you name someone. That person is responsible for asking, answering questions about the SP, but also collecting feedback and updating it, keeping it current. So you will have something like a revision history, like, hey, this is last year's version in 2021 and 2020. But also, when are we going to do the next revision of this? So that I know if I look this up this week and it, there's something unclear or this or that, I can send that to you as owner, Jacob, and I can see, hey, by November, there should be a new version of this. And that, that, of course, if you get into a cadence where you just, you say that you do a revision of all your SOPs every third quarter, like just, it doesn't have to be complicated, but you want to make someone responsible for making sure that we're not looking at a document from 10 years ago that referred to applications that have long gone. 
And Jasper, I really appreciate you taking the time to be here. This is awesome. And tell us about your newsletter. Your newsletter has been crushing it. I get so much out of every week when I read it. We do an awesome job growing it, growing an audience on Twitter as well. But people who subscribe to your newsletter, what can they expect? Yeah, thanks, man. It's been a fun adventure. We I started on Twitter. That's where we first met. And then over last fall, last summer, when this whole Elon thing came up and I started realizing that I was building on borrowed land, right? You don't. We're all just hoping that this doesn't fall flat because you lose your distribution overnight. Yep. So that's when I started looking into this newsletter. I'm at issue 33 or 34 by now. I'm about to touch 10,000 subscribers and it's been a wild ride. It's um, What I do with the newsletter is I try to make a common project management issue on a weekly basis extremely practical. The thesis behind it is that there's so many big daunting corporate frameworks and you know if you work in a 10,000 men woman corporate environment there are courses you can take and it'll take forever and you'll learn to push a lot of paper you'll get value out of it too but there's a lot of work for the sake of work and in the faster the more modern environment smaller businesses scale-ups startups there's no time for all that corporate blah blah, blah. so I try to keep it extremely practical no book smart stuff. It's an example from the trenches every week as fractional COO and as project manager. I see these issues on a weekly basis. I talk to project managers on a weekly basis that run into issues. And, you know, for every five of those conversations, I have 15 new ideas for content. So what sometimes even happens is that someone asks a great question on Twitter. I'm like, answering this in a DM is just selfish. Mm. I'm going to go deep. I'm yeah. going to spend my Sunday afternoon geeking out on this. And I'm going to answer this to 10,000 people instead of one, just to you know build a community and, and build a distribution around it that I own. I love it. And I think it's one of the great just features of Twitter, LinkedIn, and, and the newsletter is you have the opportunity to share or to learn from people who are in the mix right now. Like whatever industry you're in, whatever skill you want to be developing, like there's somebody that's online that's the best at it, that's sharing it. That's real-time relevant information that's like how to do it best right now. And so to have people like you that are so just gracious to share your expertise for free is remarkable. And I mean, there's no wonder why you're building just such a, a big following right now. It's because it, your, your business, you're really thoughtful and intentional in everything that you put out. You're very specific in the details and the action-oriented steps. So can't recommend subscribing and following Jasper enough. And he's just a great guy. You know what I mean? You know, we always share some laughs in the DM sometimes. It's awesome. I'm glad we could. This is my favorite thing about having a podcast is honestly, like it gives me a reason to reach out to my friends on Twitter and, and LinkedIn. Like, let's just get on a call and just talk about something. So it's good times. Yeah, it's awesome. I, I love doing calls like these. It's just, especially if it's someone that you, like there's, there's two really different vibes to it. One is someone you've met in real life or in a lot of calls earlier. That's a very different kind of conversation. It's just like two friends sitting down for coffee talking about, something in public rather than behind closed doors. And this is this is like the mix of, hey, we've got this messaging and async history, but you know, let's jam. Yeah. Let's find a topic. And when we were prepping for this as well, I was like, we can take this in 20 different directions. And you were like, I really like your newsletter. Can we talk about that for half an hour? <laughs> of course we can. It's just let's do it. Yeah. Hundred percent. Lots of fun. Jasper, I appreciate you. Anything you want to add? I'm good, man. Go make some SOPs. Don't make some SOPs, the SOBs. I appreciate you, man. You'll, you'll learn a lot from doing it. Because 
maybe to wrap up the, what I said earlier about giving it to one of your eager beavers and let them make, make the SOP for you as a development opportunity. Why? Or it's not the whole reason. I'll be dead honest. But it's part of the reason why I write this newsletter as well, is to keep myself up to date. If I'm curious about something, what's a better way of, you know, refreshing myself on the details than explaining it to 10,000 strangers? Yeah. It's an insane opportunity to keep yourself fresh and at the same time build something valuable, build a bunch of distribution. So it's it's a double-edged sword. I love that you call that out because I definitely have had moments when I'm writing a newsletter and I'm like, I know my team's going to read this. Like, I better be doing this myself as well. If I'm like yeah. talking, preaching about best practices and leadership, like I, I did, my last end was about setting your team up for success while you're on vacation, as opposed to just like drawing the keys on your, as your way out the door. And I'm like, man, I got a, a week, I got a couple of vacations coming up. I better make sure I'm following these steps or they're going to call me out on it. So completely agree with that. You know, when you start a newsletter and you still follow every day, like who joined and how many people joined? Yeah. Like somewhere between seven and 800 subs, I saw an email address that I recognized was the partner, the consulting partner, my first mentor from the first company I worked. I was like, that's incredible. The stakes have been raised. <laughs> <laughs> no more BS from now on. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, you have somebody that you respect reading your newsletters. Like, even if this is the only person reading it, like, I want to make sure that everything in this is dialed because I don't want to look bad. Yeah, this now means three rounds of editing instead of one. <laughs> cool. Jasper, I appreciate you so much, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the show. Don't miss another episode of Leaders Lens and the inside scoop on becoming a great leader. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love Leaders Lens, please tell a friend. 